This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great too. It is finally spring. Yeah. I hope it stays that way. It better. <laughs> I'm over winter. Yeah, me too. Um, so we have a big announcement. Uh, we are going to be changing up our format for our episodes. And nobody panic because it's not like that crazy it's not going to be a huge deal um but we moving forward are going to focus on only one case per episode just so that we have all the attention and focus on that specific case um we don't want to you know try to be fast about it we want to take our time and um we just think it's a better way to like i said focus on that specific case yeah so moving forward, we're going to do one case per week. Um, we're, you're not going to miss out on a weekly episode being released. Nothing's going to change as far as day or time. It's just going to be maybe a little bit shorter um, and then more focused. Yeah. And then we'll both still be on every episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just only one of us will be telling the story at a time. Exactly. Okay. Well, I'm going to start today. And I'm going to start with some true crime news. This last week on Wednesday, March 17th, no, it wasn't March 17th. Wednesday was the 15th. The article came out on the 17th. There was a reported shooting last Wednesday, and they didn't really release any information at first. But by Friday, they did, in fact, say that the Outagamy County Sheriff's Department identified people that were found dead and it was an elderly couple albert meyer 75 and his wife beverly meyer 71 and it was a murder suicide that is really crazy and they probably don't know which one did which right it was the husband oh okay yeah wow and like you're you're old yeah the Authorities went to their home on County Road S after one of the Myers failed to show up for one of their scheduled appointments. They had a doctor's appointment or something they didn't go to. And so somebody called like a welfare check and they went there and they found them dead. Wow. Um, The investigation shows that Albert killed his wife and then took his own life. And the sheriff's office has confirmed it was a domestic abuse related killing. So he urges you to come forward if you know anyone that's affected by domestic abuse. Yeah, like we've covered before, domestic abuse and violence doesn't have any restrictions when it comes to age, uh, 
race, sexuality, it it really doesn't matter. Not at all, no. And that's what, when I saw this story, I was like, I remember when we were talking about it with Harbor House, yeah. and I was surprised that so many elderly people still had domestic abuse problems. Right. And then I also, I had read a separate article related to this incident, and it was saying sometimes it's because of, like, loss of cognitive abilities, if they're starting to have dementia, things like that, they might not be aware of what's going on, what they're doing, mm, so that adds sick. to the problem. Yeah. So just keep an eye on your loved ones. If something seems off, try to get them some help. Yes, please. All right, and then today I am going to be t- uh, discussing the case of Theodore Eggie. He has been missing since January 13th of 2023. And my sources today are WBAY.com, NBCNews.com, and WeAreGreenBay.com. So this is a very recent case, so if you have any information, it's still one that's very solvable because this basically just happened. Theodore Eggie is a 35-year-old Caucasian male he was living in Cribbits in Marinette County with four roommates when he went missing. He's originally from Green Bay. He'd been doing some couch surfing with friends, you know. It happens. It happens. <laughs> and then he did really like being like out in the woods in nature, his sister said. So he went out there to live in this cabin with his four roommates, which sounds really nice to me. Yeah, just to get away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He is a 5'11", he weighs around 190 pounds, he has blue eyes, and he has no hair. Hmm, my type of guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, just bald. Just bald. (laughs) Give me hairless. (laughs) So, on Saturday, January 13th, Theodore's roommate, one of his roommates, called his parents to say that he was concerned because Theodore had not returned home. Right. Uh, the roommate also filed a missing persons report right away on Saturday. Okay, well, wow, they're on top of it. Yeah, they were definitely, like, concerned and did all the right things right away. I love it. Which is good to see because mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of that. Right. On Thursday, January 12th, Theodore had been driving his roommate's 2007 Jeep Liberty. And at about 10.45 that night, he can be seen on footage getting gas at Quick Trip. And then this was in Cribbit, and then he was seen driving north. So there are like still pictures from him at Quick Trip that they've shared with his missing persons flyer. Yep. So we can share them. Um, the next day, he was spotted spotted in Athelstein, which is about 20 minutes away from Cribbit. So that's like if you're going from Cribbit driving up to Michigan, Athelstein is on the way. Okay. There's a lot of waterfalls, but there. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Um, so Theodore's sister, Samantha, told Dateline that someone reported seeing Theodore on the morning of Friday the 13th. His car was out of gas, and this gentleman gave him half a gallon of gas and said, hey, meet me at the gas station up the road and I'll fill you up. Oh, okay. Super nice. Yeah. And then the man told her, for some reason, Theodore didn't follow him to the gas station. Okay. You're not going to get very far on half a gallon of gas. No. Like, down the street. Right. (laughs) So, the roommate indicated that Theodore's car 
had eventually completely ran out of gas on Friday. And the police, the police confirmed this because they located the car out of gas on the side of the road. Right, as we suspected would happen. Right, because <laughs> you can't go anywhere on half a gallon of gas. Right. And instead of asking for help this time, when he ran into somebody, he just asked for directions. He said he was trying to get back home. He asked the guy where Boat Landing 7 was, and the guy told him, hey, walk up this way. And that's where he was living at the time, was on Boat Landing 7 Road. But that was the last time that anybody saw Theodore. Right. It was when he asked for directions. That's just so crazy to me. And we say this like every single time when somebody goes missing recently that it's just mind boggling on how somebody can go missing with all, you know, the surveillance that's going on and mm -hmm. cameras everywhere. So this just always blows my mind. Yeah, because he was seen on camera at Quick Trip. He was seen on camera heading north. Mm -hmm. But then... There isn't really much in Athelstein except for like some local bars. Right. So like the boonies is really just wooded areas and yeah. why would you have, you know, surveillance I mean, cameras people, out there? People might have trail cams if he was in the woods. Cause I know I have family up there, they have trail cams. Right. Other people might. So if you live up there Check it out. Yeah. If you haven't looked recently, you could be holding on to some really key evidence. Mm-hmm. So they go on to say that they did conduct a search on Tuesday the 17th that included law enforcement officers, members of the Athelstein Fire Department, the Amberg Fire Department, Middle Inlet Fire Department, the Wisconsin DNR, and their drones, volunteers, canines, friends, and family members. Officials believe Theodore left Northway Drive, possibly walking into the woods or down a forest road. And they have checked the known cameras in the area with no sight of him. Okay, this just seems really like erratic behavior mm -hmm. to just like kind of just abandon your car, but also like let it go to E when you had a plan to fill it up. And yeah. then all of a sudden you ask for directions for the boat landing and then you're not at that said boat landing. So it just seems really weird to me. Definitely. So on February 6th, the police posted an update on the case and they said they believed, based on witness observations, he was last seen walking north on the snowmobile trail, crossing Bennett Road, heading towards Benson Lake Road in Athelstein. And investigators do not suspect foul play at this time, but Theodore's sister, Samantha, told Dateline she feels like it could go either way. Yeah, it's just really hard to know when you don't know anything yeah you can't rule anything out and i think it's weird i mean it's reassuring to the community to say we don't suspect foul play right but when you don't have any evidence of what happened how do you know exactly but back to your point about it being erratic samantha did tell dateline that her brother suffers from a mental illness and at the time of his disappearance he was not on his medication yeah. So he could have wandered off and that wouldn't be totally odd, she said. Right. This is like ringing bells for me for the last um, episode that we covered and mm -hmm. kind of a similar situation where yeah. family was like, yeah, she needs help. Like, we know she's an adult, but she needs help. Yeah, exactly. 
But Samantha still believes her brother's case should be investigated thoroughly, just like anyone else's would be. And I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. She said it's been really hard to get the police to look into further options, and she believes that officials have just written it off at this point. But you don't have any answers, so how could you write it off? Yeah, and in some cases, the police do do a terrible job. But in some cases, they're just not telling you every action that they're taking, so it feels like they're not doing anything. Right. But they could be doing stuff in the background. Right. Right. It's hard to know because they may not want to disclose everything, and that could be helpful because... You know, if they ask for help in the future, then a lot of people will know, like, certain aspects of the case, and then yeah, it's just kind of like a free-for-all at that point. But then, the family is clueless. Right. So, it's a it, double-edged sword, for sure. It really is. It's a really tough spot for everybody to be in. So, I don't I feel bad for all of them. Yeah. Samantha did tell Dateline that... The Jeep her brother was driving around, she confirmed that it was found abandoned on Benson Lake Road in Athelstein, the same place he was last seen looking for directions. And she thinks that the car should have been examined further because it got released to the owner, which would have been one of the roommates, without any investigation into the vehicle being done. I can't believe that. It happens all the time. I can't believe that. Yeah, I was just listening to another podcast because I'm fully obsessed with true crime, <laughs> if you don't know. But it reminds me of the uh, Burger Chef case of, mm-hmm. like, the cops were like, this is a robbery, and mm-hmm. that's it. And yeah. they didn't take any pictures. They didn't, like, do any mm-hmm. uh, testing. They didn't have, like, their CSI people come in and, like, do anything. And it's a place of food so the next day they clean everything up and everything was like for years and years nobody had answers until you know if you guys don't know the story go look into it but it's crazy yeah and there was another case that i was listening to recently where the wife was shot inside of the vehicle the wife and the daughter were shot but the daughter survived so the husband eventually wanted the vehicle back to give to his daughter oh. which is very weird but she wanted it oh she wanted it okay. yeah that but that's still weird i'd be like burn that bitch to the ground yeah so other people were mad like what if there was still evidence mm-hmm. in the vehicle but i they held it for years so it wasn't like oh hey just next day next day go right. get your car go get a car wash today you know yeah <laughs> possible fingerprints inside we don't do that up here in the woods right (laughs) i feel like the best rule of thumb is go above and beyond because above and beyond will not hurt you in the end not not covering all of your bases is just gonna okay you didn't need all that but it, it will help right and if you didn't have all that then it could bite you in the ass and i would rather be like i have all of this case files rather than I have nothing to work off of. Right. That's like in the 80s when they were collecting like this blood and DNA evidence even though DNA testing didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. They still collected it. Right. But now we're just like not even checking for fingerprints. No. 
<laughs> now that we have the resources, yeah. let's use all them. the resources. Yeah, we have all the resources. There's yeah. no reason any crime should be going unsolved. Exactly, but they are. So Samantha also said that there was a phone found in the Jeep. And she noted that Theodore did not have a phone of his own, but was also borrowing his roommate's phone. And she thinks the phone should have been looked into further as well. But the detectives said there wasn't enough substantial evidence to get a court order to ping the phone. Hmm. I have mixed feelings about that, but okay. I'm like, can, in my mind, like, can the roommate just give them permission? Yeah. Do we have to have a court order? Right. Right, unless they're, I feel like if they're not involved and that I was in that predicament, I'd be like, just take my phone. Yeah, exactly. So, if my roommate's missing, take my phone. Take my phone. Take take my phone. Yeah, do everything. Go on the Google location, track the movements, like whatever you need to do, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I'm going to set aside my weird porn yeah. lookups and I'm just going to yeah, get just through this. Don't judge me for my search history. No. She are searching. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think about that all the time. Just like my search history is so like bleak. So <laughs> but bleak. it has to be for this. Yeah, but if we ever get investigated, I swear I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> so, Dateline did reach out to Marinette County Sheriff's Office by phone and email for comment, but they have not heard back. And Samantha told Dateline that her family is begging for answers. They know that the outcome may not be him returning home alive, but they really just want closure. And at the time of the episode, he'd been missing for a month and a half, so she figured at that point that he's probably unfortunately passed. But that's not the point, because he deserves to be found, and his story deserves to be heard. Yeah, exactly. So Samantha does run a page called Missing Persons Theodore Aiki. It's E-G-G-E, and this is dedicated to finding the answers about her brother's disappearance. Her family is offering a $5,000 reward for any information that leads to his whereabouts. And the Marinette County Sheriff's Office would like people to reach out to them if they have any tips at all. Their phone number is 715-732-7627. Because it is possible, like, what if he really just had a mental break? He's just at somebody else's house. Yeah, either way, we we would like to find out where Theodore is. Yeah. And it, at least that he's okay so that his family can yeah. rightfully so, you know, be okay. It's and a really that. confusing area to just drive around in and everything, though. So, yeah. in so many woods. And like I said, there's, like, waterfalls. Mm-hmm. And, rivers and streams right. and so much area to search. Something natural could have happened to him. It doesn't even have to be to the right. extent of like what we cover on here, but I mean a slip and fall in that type of environment is deadly, so Yeah. So yeah. if anybody has any information, sees anything weird, like we said, if you're up in the Kervitz Athelstein area, check your trail cams. Yes. That could be more helpful than you think. Yeah, definitely. All right. Great job. Um, Yeah, I'm glad that you do these because these are really hard for me. So missing people are hard for you? Yes, they are. I'm obsessed. (laughs) At least you are. I'm going to fucking find somebody. (laughs) I hope you do someday. Just bring that person home. (laughs) I'm going to bring them home with me. Yeah. (laughs) You're adopted. (laughs) I found you. Yeah. Now you're mine. (laughs) You're coming to the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, we love you guys. We do. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.